All right, welcome to Office Hours. It's July 12th, and uh, Peter is on vacation this week, so it'll just be me today speaking with Diane Krikora, CEO of Partner Path. Diane, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mike. So you work with a lot of different companies uh, on their partner programs and best practices and all kinds of things, but I think what I'd like to talk about today is uh, the study that you've published recently, your annual report, and I know you've been doing this for many years, but for people who maybe haven't seen the report before, can you just talk about uh, why you started the report and kind of what your goals are when you're putting it together? Yeah, this is our uh, annual state of partnering study. This is the 11th year that we did it. And we're really trying to track trends in the industry, right? We're, we're saying what's changing over the, in terms of how we look at partner programs, how we go to market, what types of partners, what's changing with cloud and, and as we get new consumption models, how are the, how is the industry changing? And uh, every year we uh, ask about 200 solution providers and we get about 100, a little over 100 vendors. So we get both sides of the conversation in that research. Mm -hmm. And when you're surveying these folks and, and asking them kind of about it, I know a big focus for the channel partner side of it is trying to figure out what they need, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of what your line of questioning is there and kind of what, what you're asking them about? Yeah, and it, and it moves slightly every year, but we are asking the channel partners, um, particularly this year, we asked them about their experience uh, with the vendors, right? And the whole premise is the better we can give an experience to the partners as vendors, the more likely they are to engage and the more engaged they are drive sales and that's why we're all here is to grow our sales through channels. So we ask the solution providers a bunch of questions around kind of what are their preferences, how do how do vendors make what are the biggest mistakes they make? Why do you ever regret joining a partner program for a vendor? And so we get a lot of great data from the vet from the partner side and match that up with what the vendors are doing in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, <clears throat> of course, you know, we're trying to grow sales and all that stuff, but we're trying to do it by serving customers and trying to address their needs, you know, which is, is obviously a moving target. Uh, I know I've been paying attention, and I'm sure you have too, to the Microsoft Inspire conference taking place this week and many changes that Microsoft is making and, and how they're communicating that to partners. And I think they're a good example of a company that realizes that, you know, we're all here, here to serve customers how we serve them and how we best address their needs and kind of the way that they want to consume all of this technology and the services and, you know, solutions and other ambiguous terms, you know, it's the moving target. So when you think about, you know, the, you're talking to vendors, you're talking to partners, when, um, how do you involve the customer input in this process as well and kind of what their needs are? Yeah, and that's a, I mean, that's a great question because we are here to <clears throat> certainly increase sales, but it has to be done. The only way you're going to sell is to actually meet the customer's needs. So part of um, other pieces of research that we do throughout the year involve uh, also a customer. So the third leg of that stool, the customer outreach mm -hmm. and things like, you know, do they care about certifications and how important are solutions to them in mm -hmm. terms of um when they go and ask for trusted advisors. Who are their trusted advisors? How many of them do they have? So we're also asking in not the state of partnering, but some of the other research that we do throughout the year, the customers in terms of where they're starting, where their preferences are engaging with 
what we consider a channel. Channels are alliances. We call them all channels. They are channels to end users. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the, the findings from this year's report, what are the top uh, maybe one or two things that you saw that was kind of feedback from partners about uh, and maybe some things that have changed, you know, from last year? What, what are you seeing as kind of the, the top bits of feedback? Yeah, some of the things, so this year was all about the partner's experience, because we are becoming an, ex, well, we are an experience economy, right? Everybody votes with their feet around the better experiences that they get, which are the movies, to buying uh, cars, you know, right? We're all, we're, we talk a lot about customer experience, we talk a lot about user experience, and we talk about systems. So we focus really on the partner's experience, and what were the elements that affected their experience most with a, with a vendor. Mm -hmm. And some of the surprises were uh, that, that certainly people came out top, way, way, way above all the other five elements or five pillars of, of kind of the overall partner experience. Not that it wasn't a surprise that it was first, but it was a surprise how far out in front or how important people are to the partner's overall experience, right? We talk a lot about systems and that, that the um, uh, partners do engage and they prefer to engage with vendors or through their systems and tools, but when the push comes to shove, they really need a body. Well, and I think that makes sense to the, um, you know, this trend of video in both marketing and in partner communications, I think, and even what we're doing here today, right? And you've been doing this for a long time with your your partner, Charlene, and doing your, your video casts. Uh, you know, it's some, I think, what I think, you know, the consumer preferences take over, right? Like, at home, I want to be able to get on a computer and find information when I want to find it. But when I can't find it, I want to be able to talk to a real live human being who can give me the information that I'm looking for. And it sounds like you're hearing similar things from partners. Yeah, well, they, I mean, certainly uh, the other, one of the other surprises in this was that infrastructure, so partner portals, PRM, uh, tools that you guys provide as well, was number three out of the six elements. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we thought certainly it would be part of their overall experience, but not something that was so highly regarded in terms of affecting their overall experience with the vendor. So the infrastructure and tools came out number three. And the, the answers from the partners were is that we like to be able to go online and get the information we need and right. develop our marketing campaigns and register deals. And then that the other side of that was the number one thing, the um, people that when push comes to shove, especially around support, I need a body. Right. You know, I wonder too, like I think about even just our company here at Averitech, we use so many different tools, uh, you know, for our website and our communication and this thing and that thing. And it's like you start adding up all these subscription prices, even for a small company like ours. And, you know, you can spend a significant, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month on these kinds of things. I have to imagine the channel partners look at that too. Like if I can get some good tools from my vendors that I work with that can help me do whether it's marketing automation or some sort of kind of sales for C CRM kind of stuff, that it helps them potentially save money on other tools they'd have to invest in if they can use the tools the vendors provide. I don't know if you got any of that kind of feedback or people recognize kind of the monetary value of these partner programs. Yeah, I think one of the big pieces of feedback in the tools section was uh, they certainly are uh, eager to leverage uh, the portals and the uh, um, marketing systems to be able to enable their success. 
But one of the big things that they did mention is that having single sign-on and tying all these systems together as a vendor was actually more important than you having the, the system. So they, there was a, there's a big ease of use um, or ease of doing business uh, element in that kind of overall pillar of the infrastructure systems. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of... Uh a lot of feedback as, you know, our primary group of folks that we talk to at Averitech on a daily basis are the people in the channel marketing or partner program kind of roles. And I think a lot of them, when I kind of think about your people pillar in this model, uh, they feel that they must always go through the channel manager. Like that channel manager is the pivotal role. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that there's an opportunity for them to have a uh, some engagement directly with the channel partners themselves. And like, I think partners understand there's obviously a team of people. You know, some are I, what I would call old school, like I just want to hear from my channel manager. I block everybody else out. I delete all the other emails. To me, that's a, a naive point of view in 2017 to think that one person is going to serve it all up. Like you can have multiple points of engagement. But I don't know if you hear any of that or if that's just my own kind of personal point of view. But do you think there's a way for people to have those multiple points? Like should they feel okay talking directly to channel partners? doing a vidcast, yeah, doing webcasts and things. Yeah, and the partners are looking for it, right? Um, and that was part of the responses as well when we drilled down to the, the elements within that <clears throat> pillar. They're, the partners want to talk to the right person, be mm -hmm. that a marketer or be that the support guy, be that the and training and enablement person. Yes, they, their PAM or the channel account manager is kind of the quarterback of the team, but it is a team, right? Everybody needs to play their position and be able to, and, and the partner wants to talk to and have that relationship across your organization and talk to the channel marketing guys and talk to the um, uh, training people and really also be have access into support. Yep, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, there is a, There are two questions actually that have been submitted. So for the folks who are live with us on Crowdcast today, you can submit a question here. Uh, within the tool, and I'll uh, tee these up. So the first one, Diane, is a question about measurement. So it says, setting the right metrics and milestones uh, for long-term success obviously are important. What are your thoughts on how to approach this, especially with new channel partners and underperforming channel partners? Yeah, um, especially as we kind of end, end the summer and are going into uh, fall planning and then looking at the end of the year and into 2018 and and a lot of metrics conversations are coming up. And I think certainly as you're looking at your partnerships, think of them as partnerships, mm -hmm. right? So they may not be absolutely producing to your expectations in day one, right? So there is a ramp period and there is an investment on your side to get some of these partners up and running. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that we often see is that uh, how quickly we call it rookie to rockstar. Um, how quickly can a partner come on board and be successful with you? And it's a lot longer than you think it is. Mm -hmm. It's not two weeks. It's not two months. It's more like eight to nine months. So be patient in some of those metrics like revenue. One of the things we like to measure is engagement. Are they downloading? Are they engaging with your people? Are they working on deals? Are they registering opportunities, right? So Engagement is one great measure for those early guys rather than just like how many sales did they close in the first month. Yeah, I, I wrote an article uh, for our blog a while ago now, but um, 
talking about kind of active partners, which you know your comments there remind me of, because the the one thing that I know just from my Microsoft days, even there were a lot of uh, segmentation models for customers and partners and all these things, but so many of them had to do with the you know for partners at least what their revenue contribution had been historically, but it spoke nothing to their potential. So you could look at a partner and say, well, they're a small partner, but if you really understood their business and said they may be selling, let's say, a million dollars of Microsoft a year, but if they're selling ten million dollars of Cisco, in addition to that, right? Like that's a they they've got sales power. It's like where are you putting your sales power? How are you directing that energy? Can I have more of that sent my way versus you know like not to take anything away from the Cisco business? Good for them and that partner, right? You know, in my uh, hypothetical here, but I think looking at the potential of partners in the metrics is kind of part of what you're saying is that people may do kind of quick assessments and say, I think we're getting all that we can out of that partner, but if you're really honest with yourself and you talk to the partner, you realize you probably haven't done a proper job setting them up for success and it's taking longer to get to that rock star status that they want to achieve and that you want them to achieve. And we could also tie this back to the, the question that you had a conversation point you had earlier, which is around customer success. Right. Another better way to measure partners rather than just revenue, revenue still rules, we do know that that's important, is also are they making happy customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they making happy customers for you as a, as a technology? Are, your, are they helping to drive adoption and usage and actually grow the footprint? And that's a really great measure, regardless of size of partners, if they're that million dollar partner or they're a hundred million dollar partner, are they making happy customers? Yeah, especially in a cloud world where everything is, you know, a quick web link, you know, cancellation button kind of thing. You know, people can turn these services off just as quickly as turning them on and and partner activation and partners delivering satisfaction to customers on your behalf is obviously a key piece. So um, so that's a good question there. So the next one is, it's in a Veritech question, so I'll just answer it briefly, but what do we do? <laughs> so you like the webinar topic today, you want to know what our involvement is in channel management process. So Veritech has a software as a service product uh, that allows channel marketing automation. So enabling channel partners to take your campaign materials, personalize and co-brand them, and then launch them out to, to drive demand. So um, so thanks for asking that. But um, And we have other stuff on our website, obviously, Veritech.com. We can share more about that. But getting back to the discussion for today with Diane, um, you did mention that it is summertime, although you're pushing the end of the summer already. So I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm feeling I've like just started. But... It is the summertime, and I'm actually in the midst of writing a blog article that I'm going to publish this week about not fighting the calendar, right? That this is the time of year where people are on vacation, we're on vacation, customers are on vacation, partners are taking vacations, at least here in North America and Europe, right? You know, Southern Hemisphere, they're actively working working towards our winter for when they get their break. But when you think about the summertime and, and you're talking to channel folks at brands and channel partners, what are you encouraging them to do with the summer months? You know, prepping for the busy season or are there other things that you're, you're talking to them about? Yeah, there's, a, I think, a, a couple of things that we're really encouraging or seeing a lot of channel folks do during the summer, other than get, you know, fabulous tans and go to the beach. Yeah, sure. Um, there's, so, so one that we see and what we would encourage you guys to do is clean your database. Mm-hmm. Um, know your partners, profile your partners. Again, I'm a planner. I'm going into, into, into fall planning, which goes into the end of the year. Uh, you're going to need that data for planning purposes as you kind of go into October, November, and you're looking at 2018 if you haven't already gone into planning. 
what are your profile of your partners? What do they cover? How big are they? That great example that Mike, you just had around, if they're a million dollars with you, are they 10 million with somebody else, right? Is there an opportunity for growth there with you? So one is, is all around kind of your data and your database and your partner profile. So make sure that, you know, you can, you really take this time to, to go in and dive into that data. And then uh, another thing is, is we also see a lot of people and, it sounds like a shameless plug for Veritech. Implementing systems. It's not mm -hmm. a shameless plug for implementing for Veritech. Yeah. Implementing their systems, right? Getting their tools, upgrading, creating, um, kind of in, implementing their PRM, implementing their their um, marketing automation tools, getting new campaigns in there, which is kind of really the third thing of that, yeah. right? How do you load the gun, so to speak, for when? when the when the flag drops and it is September 15th and you're ready to go. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I was talking with someone yesterday about this very topic and encouraging them to kind of get ready. And I was, um, I was painting like my full picture of kind of like, okay, if I'm going to do things, I'm going to do some enablement, like one of your key pillars, obviously, from your report. It's like I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to talk in a one-to-many, one-to-one self-service materials. And roll things out with the campaign, going to put some incentives in place both for the internal staff to incentivize their behavior as well as incentives for the partner. And the person that I was speaking with said, well, we're going to hold off on the incentives. We're going to wait and see how it goes. They're thinking more stick, I'm thinking more carrot. My advice to them, and I'm interested to hear your take on this, my advice was if you start with stick and then move to carrot, you look desperate, like things didn't go as well as you had hoped they would. Start with carrots, right? Start with incentives and putting those out there um, because why wait? You, you put so much work into everything and getting it ready to then go cheap and not buy a few Starbucks cards or a couple of bottles of champagne or something is like, why do that to yourself? So what's your take? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Don't, um, or maybe kind of a mix of carrot and a stick, but don't start all stick and then try to move to all carrot. I actually think we should start all carrot and then move to stick if it didn't mm -hmm. happen. But then again, I have a 16-year-old teenage stepson and then the carrot works so much better than the stick ever did. So, um, you know, I, maybe I that's it. We're both raising teenagers and I've got teenage girls. So, you know, it's, if you think the, the, the boy is hard, but um, yeah, the carrots are always good. And I think for me to the, uh, the one thing from kind of a psychological point of view that I like to try to motivate in doing incentives, both for partners and for the internal team, is how do you cultivate that fear of missing out? So for the first couple of people to jump on board with a new program or something like that, I'm going to highlight them. I'm going to, you know, you're the rock star. I'm going to give shout outs on the calls. I'm going to get the VP to, hey, I'm about to send this email. Can you reply all and give a shout out to that person that's getting mentioned, right? Because then people start to figure out that they want to be the first ones to adopt things. They want to be on the leading edge of these programs because the recognition has as much, if not greater value than the incentives that you're delivering. Everybody likes to be indicated as a rock star. That's for sure. Yep, recognition goes a long way. So, all right, we're just about out of time because uh, we do this, you know, kind of quick chat on the office hours. What I like to always end with is, a question about you and how you keep yourself sharp, right? So I don't know if it's a book that you're reading this summer or if there's something else that you're using, but uh, you know, you're in the midst of a lot of different conversations. You pay a lot of attention to what's happening in the industry. How do you keep yourself sharp and always learning? 
Well, that's a that's a great question, and you know, even though it's summer, uh, it seems busier considering there are so many vacations and there's summer off and there's a bored sixteen year old kicking his feet in the dirt and all that. So I I am a to do list. I am a crazy to do list individual. Um, and but I have moved to uh, electronic to do list. So Trello is my tool of choice. Not only do I have Trello boards for me, but I have Trello boards for the home. I have Trello boards for the kid. I've got um, so you I we can share them. So my 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 tool tip or my is is Trello. I can't I can't live without it. It's got a mobile app. That's 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 my jam right now. That and a, a book called The Male Brain, which is really helping me understand a 16-year-old boy. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we could have a side conversation about you know boys and girls and all that stuff because yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. But um, well, good luck well, with I it. I mean, so girl at one point, the sixteen-year-old boy is just very confusing to me. Yeah, I, I can yeah, I can relate to that. You know, kind of the inverse of the situation. But um, well, Diane, I I wish you the a great summer. Obviously, we'll talk again before the summer is over. But I think you've given some good advice today. Your report. On the six pillars, I did put a link to it here in the chat, but if you go to partner-path.com, there's a link to the resource library for people who are listening to this after the fact. Uh, if you go to the resource library on partner-path.com, you can find uh, the six pillars of the partner experience and other reports and great information. I think you and the team do a great job there of pulling together the things that you hear and see and dive deeper into and do research against to try to help improve what people in the channel are doing, both on the vendor side of it as well as on the channel partner side of it. So so kudos to you and the team. And, um, and thank you so much for sharing some of your insights and your wisdom with us today. Thanks. It's always really great to join you guys. And as you, as you continue to push the envelope of thought leadership and share with your communities, it's always, it's always great. We love, we love the learn idea. Yeah, well, you know, learning is a 12-month operation, right? So people may be only shopping or buying or producing or selling or whatever during different parts of the year, uh, but learning is a 12-month operation. So we, we love to be a part of it, and we love to share uh, and talk to people like you. So thank you so much for your time today. We thank everybody else for joining us, and we'll see you on the next Office Hours.